It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. On today's episode, I'm excited. We got ESPN Insider, Vikings Insider, Kevin Seifert. We're going to throw the hard-hitting questions at him. Yes, Courtney Cronin has moved on to the Bears, unfortunately, but hey, we got Kevin Seifert, so he's going to come in and maybe drop some knowledge on Sam about Kirk Cousins that Sam doesn't believe. <laughs> uh, but also, we're going we're gonna to break down the NFC North. We're going to talk about the receivers in the NFC North. We might go position by position as the rest of the summer goes on. Uh, just looking at the NFC North, because we know if you win the North, you have a chance to be really you know, positioned pretty well in the playoffs. Uh, you look at where the Packers have finished when they finish. You look at where the Vikings finish when they finish first. Um, winning the NFC North, it's kind of the key, but you have to you have to you have to do it in dominant fashion. You can't backpedal your way into the playoffs as NFC North champions. You kind of got to start off on a high hitch. So we're gonna start off with the position that we think is the most important. But also, we got the daily three as we come up later. But before we jump into all that, and we talk about the Vikings receiver core versus the Bears receivers versus the Lions. I guess they can call them receivers, and then the Packers receivers without Devontae Adams. Who ranks number one? Who ranks number four? And is that gap so big that one team is head and shoulders above the rest? Before we jump into that, we're going to bring Sam Extraman. We have a word from our sponsors. Yes, we do. It's Blue Nile and BlueNile.com. You know, a lot of guys have been in the position where they got to walk into one of those ring stores, whether it's in the mall, whether it's um, this big, you know, open warehouse floor and they've got to talk to people about rings they don't know really what they're talking about they're a little bit uncomfortable um i've got a great tool for you it's bluenile.com where from the comfort of your own computer you can choose diamond shape size clarity you don't have to talk to any pushy salespeople. Um, and you can find sparkling wonderful jewelry if you're going to pop the question or just for any other um, fine occasion they've got fine jewelry at blue nile and their bench jewelers are going to handcraft the perfect ring for the perfect occasion. So make that moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON, code LOCKEDON. And every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free. Find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And on today's episode of the Ron Johnson Show, as I bring my producer in, Sam Ekstrom, it's going to be fun today because this is a topic I love. We're going to talk wide receivers in the NFC North, and we're going to rank them one to four. And Sam, in your opinion, if you had to do a quick just mind jump of here's the top receivers in the NFC North as far as overall room, not player, because if, if we were to go player, and maybe we'll do that in another one or two, just ranking the NFC North receivers. Mm -hmm. I would definitely go Justin Jefferson. Um, that's a tough one after that. I'd say Justin Jefferson, maybe the Alan Lazard. Um, maybe I Sammy Watkins. Adam I, Thielen and, 
I think Adam Thielen yeah, is say, the number two receiver in the division. I I, I legitimately probably. think the Vikings have the, the two best, don't they? They have they do. to. I, I, yeah, I agree because if you think about Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb at the end of his career. Now, Jamison Williams, we don't know what he's going to be in the NFL. He was hurt in the championship game, and now he's back. Uh, but DJ Shark, you got Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, Bears are just uh, whatever. Um, Khalif Raymond and Quintez Cephas with the Lions. Um, yeah, I would have to say Justin Jefferson and Thielen are one and two, and then everybody else falls below. But then when you look at supporting cast, when you talk about Jamin Winston, Jamison Williams with the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, DJ Shark, and Quintez Cephas with the Lions, that's that's four like kind of, you know, generally good. And then you got Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Alan Lazar, Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, and Romeo Dubs out of Nevada for the Packers. Again, a nice group with Aaron Rodgers. Of course, it's going to make them better. You look at the Vikings right now, it feels kind of top-heavy. You got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. You got K.J. Osborne, who would be somewhere in there with the uh, like Quintess Cephas's of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's it. We don't know what we have after that. Like You don't know what you have with the Vikings. So I struggle to just automatically crown them number one. Like, I struggle, but if we're just going to say top two receivers of each group, yeah. The starters, yep, Vikings are one, in my opinion. I'd say, uh, ooh, this is tough. I guess I'll have to say the proven Packers are two because you got Lazar Watkins, uh, you got Randall Cobb who's proven, and then you got Christian Watson who's their first-round pick. Three would be the Lions. And then, of course, the very deficient Nikhil Harry, Darnell Mooney. Uh, They have Tajay Sharp with the Bears. Uh, David Moore. I mean, I, I just feel like the Bears, I know they've tried to reach and get guys, but losing some of the guys they've had in the past, it just doesn't work for them. So that's where I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go Vikings, Packers, Lions, Bears. But the Packers, Lions, I mean, Jamison Williamson, Jamison Williams, if he comes in and, and has a great rookie season, they might jump to number two. Now, that all depends on this offense, though, and we know that the better quarterback is in Green Bay over Detroit. But that's my four. What about you, Sam? Yeah, so I remember PFF ranked the Packers 31st in wide receiver room. They do have a couple veterans, though. I think the Watkins In front of the Bears, though, right? Is big. The Bears were 32? Uh, oh, were they 32? I can't honestly I don't I can't know. remember. They might have right. been. The Bears losing Allen Robinson is yep. so bad. for. I mean, they weren't that deep to begin with. And I know Darnell Mooney is a really nice fifth-round pick. That's a young receiver who might be around for a while. Um, but their depth, and they did add Nikhil Harry, Ron. I don't know if that moves the needle for you, but they made a trade for Nikhil Harry. Again, I think I I, when I look at these wide receiver rooms, I see a bunch of wide receiver three types. I see a lot like Cobb. He's a wide receiver three. Like Most of the places he's been, he's been the number two or number three guy. This stage in his career, he's a number three guy. Watkins has always been a complimentary piece. Amon Ross St. Brown, he's probably headed for bigger things, but he still strikes me as that number two, number three piece. There aren't a lot of aces on these rosters anymore. Um, Alan Lazard, he was the number three guy last year on the Packers, or number four guy even. Um, So when I see the Vikings with two stars and then a bunch of wide receiver by committee on the the other groups, I still have to put the Vikings, and it's not like the Vikings don't have a wide receiver three. I'm very high on KJ Osborne. Seven touchdowns, 670 or 655 yards last year. So I think he's a bona fide three. And if you're comparing fours, I mean, sure, the it, do the do the Vikings have maybe a disadvantage at the wide receiver four? Sure, 
But when you have three strong, I'm okay with that. I mean, you're running 11 personnel most of the time anyway. Your fourth wide receiver isn't out there very much. So I love the Vikings in this battle by a long shot. Yeah, and, and I will say that. That's 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 where I was going with that. It's like, how how big is that gap? I'd say the Vikings-Bears gap is huge. The Bears have no chance at being the number one core. Uh, the way their offense is set with their quarterback and those receivers, I just don't see it. They, they lost big when they lost Allen Robinson. And then Allen Robinson wanted them to bring in another receiver, and they just couldn't land one because um, there was conversations about another possible former Alabama receiver going to the Bears before, just could not make it work. Um, you look at the Bears, you know, trying to make trades and, and talking to teams. And, you know, I, I know there was no way they were going to get a big name receiver, but they were trying to get some pieces to the puzzle. But again, when you look at that group, uh, Darnell Mooney and Akil Harry, probably the other two there. Uh, with the Lions, I'm guessing if Jamison Williams is healthy, you'll have him and DJ Shark, or you'll start off with DJ Shark and Amon Ross St. Brown with Jamison Williams working his way in there as he becomes a starter. Um, and then with, with the uh, Packers, you're probably looking at Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins is my guess. Uh, with Randall Cobb being mm -hmm. the three, but then Christian Watson eventually being the number one, um, you know, out the gate. I, I'm guessing, you know, Rodgers is going to want veterans. We've always heard the stories of of, of how Brett Favre treated receivers that weren't, you know, top guys. Um, we, we heard about how Aaron Rodgers does it as well. Um, and so if you think about that, th th those are guys that want to go into camp and go into those first couple games with guys that if I call a play out, you know what it is. If I call this, you know, check out i need you to be where you're at uh aaron Rodgers, you know the money he took this year lost Devontae adams it doesn't feel like he's going to come out and be all like kittens and bears and roses and happy um he's going to be trying to win some games and so i don't think throwing a rookie out there with him right away is the way to go but yeah the vikings are head and shoulders right now um but again yeah the packers i mean i don't so there's a the thing about pff when you rank the packers 31st i get it you know, you're, you're trying to because they're trying to really hit on the fact that there's no more Devontae Adams. But in my opinion, watching Christian Watson in North Dakota State. Now, again, it's competition it's different competition out there. But I think he'll be, you know, just fine. You can't teach size. You can't teach speed like size and speed are just two things people have. You can teach ability after that. You can teach route running. You can teach scheme. Um, Christian Watson is no way in close to a Randy Moss. But if you think about that, that was the knock on Randy Moss being in Marshall. Like, can he do what he's doing at Marshall in the NFL? Well, yeah, the Vikings, thank God, took a chance and said, yep, I think he can. Uh, 20 other teams said, eh, get out of Marshall. I don't know if he's that good. I don't know if, if Randy Moss is as good because Marshall just doesn't play Florida State. They don't play Michigan and Ohio State. Like, if Randy Moss went to Notre Dame, he would have been the number one. If he stayed at Notre Dame, if he stayed at Florida State, because we know he was both places, and we've heard the Chris Winkie stories about, hey, coach, you Bobby Bob, you got to get him on the field. He would have been the number one overall pick in the draft. Like, if he played at a Florida State, like Pete Bowyer, or uh, Pete Peter Warwick, um, and did the things he did at receiver, at punt return, in that conference at the ACC, playing against Florida, playing in a big bowl game, playing in a possibly a national championship, he's the number one overall pick you know, player taken in the draft. Uh, so Christian Watson, we can't we can't try to tone it down because he went to North Dakota State. I think he's a, a good receiver. But yeah, I, I'd say the Bears are for sure four. I'd say the Packers and Lions are fighting for two. And I'd say the Vikings are number one <clears throat> because like you said, those top three are heavy. You got Justin Jefferson, you got Adam Thielen, and you got KJ Osborne, who's a very serviceable three. From there, that's it. 
whoever whoever wants to be the four, five, and six with the Vikings, we'll find out during training camp. But that's your four your your ranked four receivers. You guys let us know what you think. Like, comment. Please let us know. Locked on sports, Minnesota. This is the Ron Johnson show. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. And we'll be back. Kevin Seifert's coming up next. Kevin Seifert, we're gonna ask him the hard-hitting questions. We're gonna ask him who he thinks the best receiver in the NFC is, NFC North, um, and then also who some ones and twos in the NFC North as well, and what can this season look like for Kevin O'Connell. Coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. And now on the Ron Johnson Show, as promised, we have Kevin Seifert, insider for the Vikings, ESPN beat writer. You guys had Courtney Cronin earlier. You know who she is. She's now moved on to the team that sucks with the Bears. Sorry, just joking. They're okay. Uh, but we now have Kevin Seifert. He's a part of the championship mantra beginning of Kevin O'Connell. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. When you first walked onto campus and you start to kind of feel the aura, you know, like Dave Chappelle being uh, Rick James, you felt the aura of Kevin <laughs> O'Connell around the building. Um what does it feel like around the building, just being around that staff of Quasey and Kevin O'Connell and these new coaches? Um, what, what is the vibe like around there? Um, I guess the best way to put it is it feels like the temperature has been brought down considerably in the building, whether it's the football side, the business side. Um, you know, I wasn't out there every day under the Zimmer uh, Spielman regime. And, you know, it, it's not unusual for, for play for people who work together for a long time to start grading on each other and for that um you know sort of relationship to to spur out uh throughout the building and so by all accounts it was a pretty tense place it was a pretty um you know joyless place there for a little while and they very intentionally tried to to create a different atmosphere and they certainly hired two people um and i think quasi will have a lot to do with the culture as well as as kevin o'connell um but they two people who are uh, very different personalities from their their predecessors and so the immediate impact has been um you know i i think people are a little looser i think people are feeling a little bit um uh, more empowered and more ownership in 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 the direction of the of the franchise and you, know, you could say well that's what people always you know feel like in the beginning of a new regime but i've been at places and i'm sure ron you've seen this as well where the opposite is true. They hire people to kind of lay down the law and create a quasi-military situation that uh, that scares people into into playing well and coaching well and and doing everything else well. And and those don't usually turn out uh, too well, I don't think. And so this is uh, that that's my impression is that it's a the temperature is lowered. It's a looser place. Um, ultimately, it'll it'll you know the, the success or failure may or may not have anything to do with that uh you know that sort of atmosphere but that is certainly the first impression when you walk in the door or on the field yeah and, and the players i mean when you when you see them at practice now uh you, you can kind of see from it's a different era i mean when i played we didn't have social media we didn't have a social media yeah. team um now you can see even on social media the players uh personalities maybe being a little bit more loose uh, guys having a little bit more fun at practice. And, and again, it, like you said, it's, it's just, it's different. You know, it's like going from, uh, you know, McDonald's to Burger King. It's the same thing. Okay. It's just different. You know, if you eat McDonald's every single day and all of a sudden, yeah. you're like, oh man, it's, it's nothing's getting different. Nothing's better. And then you get Burger King. Yeah. You're like, oh man, this is a little bit different or Chick-fil-A, you know? So I, I think that's what it is. It's, it's different. Um, as this difference 
take place? Because Quasey said something to me that I thought was powerful. He said, yeah, we can change the culture, but does that equate mm -hmm. to wins? What does that mean for Kevin O'Connell? And, and what can this team do from day one? Like first game, preseason's done, they made the roster. What can be different as far as equating wins on the field that maybe Mike Zimmer um, didn't truly understand when you think about the offense versus the defense standpoint of this team? Yeah, and, and really that's what they've done because when you look at the roster and you look at sort of the makeup of the team and the moves they made in the offseason, they didn't blow anything up. You know, they're basically, you know, there's some changes, but for the most part, it's the guys they had last year and the key positions that they're hoping um, can lead them. I'm sure you guys have talked a lot about that. And I think, uh, you know, that to the and so that puts puts the pressure on the coach and the coaching staff like that the 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 implication is that with a different you know set of eyes and a different approach and a different uh you know strategy that that's what will be the difference between an eight and nine team and a you know 10 and 7 team or 11 and you know six team or what have you um that makes the playoffs and so i think uh the big thing will be um can the you know can they can they sort of execute a shift in the identity of what makes the Vikings win. Because throughout the Zimmer era, no matter what the quarterback stats were, the idea was that defense and running game were, were going to be the things that led them to victory. That's how they built the teams. That's how they coached and called plays for the most part. And that I don't think is what, you know, the general assumption that uh, around the NFL about how you win is anymore. And so uh, O'Connell sort of personifies the idea that, um, you know, be aggressive passing early on, you're going to have a running game, but you're going to, um, you're going to take advantage of all the NFL rules that are set up for you to be able to throw the ball, uh, you know, better than the defense can defend you on doing it uh, with the quarterback and the receivers they have and the running backs, you know, out of the backfield that they have and the skill players, they're set up to be able to do that. And so what, what can he do? you know, right out of the bat is, is set the tone that say, here, we're going to win, you know, the Vikings are going to win because the offense is going to hold the ball and score a lot of points. And it sounds simple, but that was not uh, very consistent over time in the, sort of the last few years of, of, the, of the previous era. And so uh, it, it's not, it doesn't sound complicated and it's not, it's just a matter of can they, can they make that shift uh, early on in the season um, in order to hit the ground running. Yeah, and I've talked to a few current players. I've talked to a few former players, and uh, you hit the nail on the head with the offense. I mean, I've, I've had players tell me they felt like the offense was second fiddle. Um, we have players on record on TV saying, you know, they didn't interact with Mike Zimmer because they were on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, like, hey, I haven't seen Mike Zimmer in, you know, X amount of day. Like, I saw him at practice, but that's yeah. it. Like, I don't see him in yeah. the building. He doesn't come to my meetings. Um, so, I, you know, I think that is going to be a big different focus where you're going to see Kevin O'Connell, of course, in all the offensive meetings, um, you know, with the position groups of the offense because that's his thing defensively uh, I think defensive guys don't care about their head coach being around um, yeah. they know their job we got to stop the other team you know they don't need to be coddled handheld uh, it's just a different mindset on defense than it is on offense defensive Always guys are assassins yeah. offensive guys are prima donnas uh, it's different and I was one I know I, I want coach to tell me I'm good like come talk to me tell me what I need to <laughs> yeah. do to get better yeah um, so when you think about this offense Kirk Cousins Kevin O'Connell saw uh, he's seen he's seen Kirk Cousins before, but he's seen Matthew Stafford operate. He's seen what a mm. Super Bowl quarterback looks like. Kirk Cousins gets disrespected. He's the Roger, Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL, I feel like. If you think about Kirk Cousins, what does he need to do this season to get some respect? Like, what does he have to do to really say, you know what? 
I'm a good quarterback. My coach never, my coaches never really trusted in me. Um, you know, whether it's fair or not, you know, from a national reputation and even maybe locally to some extent, um, they'll either need to be, you know, they have that, that Monday night game in week two, um, where the whole yep. country will be watching. I think it's week two against the Eagles. Um, uh, where the whole country will be watching and we all know what the, what, you know, the narrative is, uh, with him on in primetime games, um, you know, if they end up being in a lot of close games, how does he play in the fourth quarter of those close games? Because we know that, you know, he's got, he can make all the throws. We know that he can compile, you know, some pretty, some pretty good stats and, and that he'll, you know, he'll find the Justin Jeffersons and the Adam Thielens. Uh, you know, he understands that that's, those are the guys that he needs to go to. Um, but in those, in those situations where you, where you, when you have a good quarterback and you want him to become great, um, those are the times that he needs to do that, you know, when the entire country's watching him um, and in close games um, or they, or, you know, the other side of that is they need to, to maximize the good and not try to push him to be the great, if that makes sense. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of things that we've seen him do very well over the years, whether it's throwing to tight ends or running bootleg, you know, like doing the bootleg passes or, um, you know, operating in certain schemes that, that he's shown on tape against NFL defenses he can be very good at. So are they going to try to maximize those things or are they going to try to push him into new directions um, in hopes of turning, like I said, what, what's a, what is already a good quarterback into a, you know, a top 10 type guy? And so I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, it sounds like from what was being said in the spring that they're going to, at least from a, you know, uh, adjustments and on the line uh, standpoint, they're going to expect mm -hmm. him to be uh, a veteran, smart quarterback who can read the, you know, read the look and, and get the, the team into the right play. Um, that has not always been the case um, as he's talked about and other people have talked about, but those are the, um, those are the things that I'll be watching, you know, you know, the extent to which they put, you know, you know play calling and or play adjusting responsibilities on his shoulder on the field during games and the, extent to which he plays well in those uh, crucial times that, that, you know, take you from good to great. And last one for Kevin Seifert, ESPN Insider. There's some names on the market that have been tied to the Vikings that possibly could come back because we know everybody now is just biding their time, waiting for that first week of training camp to see, one, who gets hurt? What does the salary cap situation look like? Are there other guys out there to get cut in the first early days? You got Anthony Barr, Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph put an Instagram video out at the Vikings facility, and then Kyle Rudolph. Of those four, who's most likely to be a Viking by week one or two? Well, um, yeah, I guess part of it depends on, on are they real? How much are they going to be in this three-four defense? Because mm -hmm. you, you, the and Dominican Sue thing has been interesting, you know, just because he's a big personality, but he's always been a three-technique tackle. And you know, if you're playing, if you're wanting to, to turn him into a guy that uh, you bring in in passing situations when you go to four down line, then then that makes sense. Um, if you're planning to play him on first down and you're three-four, I don't know if he's the nose tackle that you want there. You know, that's that has not been what he's done for a good part or all of his career. So I guess that, I mean, that name is interesting if they wanted to use him as a kind of a guy to bring off the, uh, the bench on in passing situations. Um, Linval Joseph, you know, being the straight nose tackle, if Dalvin Tomlinson is healthy, I'm not sure that I see that. So, I, you know, the Sioux thing is interesting to me. And I think um, that's one to keep an eye on, uh, especially as we see how the scheme actually evolves, you know, 
teams are very rarely in their base defense um, from a percentage standpoint. And so even if they're saying they're playing a 3-4 and they are playing a 3-4, I don't know how often they'll be in that alignment. Mm-hmm. And then what about Kyle Rudolph or Anthony Barr? I think it sounded like the Barr thing has moved on um, unless okay. something has changed this summer. Um, you know, they from a physical standpoint and also just the scheme standpoint, I'm not sure if this regime saw fit. You know, I know Kwesi has talked to him and there's a personal mutual respect there, but in terms of mm-hmm. you know, whether there's a fit uh, on the field, I, I don't I don't know that that's the case. Um, and Kyle Rudolph, um, you know, that it certainly it makes a lot of sense. I think they want to give Irv Smith as wide of a, of a runway as, as they can give him to mm-hmm. uh to to be as dominant a, a three down tight end as, as he can be um you know potentially once you get to to training camp and you see what, what what the depth is behind him that's a possibility but um that's probably another one where uh i don't know that there's any urgency and and it might require some kind of injury uh for that to happen well, appreciate you, Kevin O'Connell. Sounds or Kevin O'Connell, Kevin Seifert. Sounds yeah. like you're saying that Dominican Sue is one then. So, hopefully, you know, if we can figure that out. Dominican Sue is a big name, a big personality. Yeah. Uh, we know he's fearless. Uh, we know he brings an attitude to the defense too. So maybe that's something to to keep an eye on. Uh, but I want to thank Kevin Seifert for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Stay tuned. All right, let me tell you about the Dave app when you're a little tight on cash. I remember being paycheck to paycheck when I was interning for free. I was working at a gas station. I could barely get home to see my parents and ask them for more money. I needed to borrow money to put gas in my tank so that I could drive and borrow more money. It was a bad situation, but you know what? The Dave app can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, catch up on bills, whatever you need. Uh, tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out with any hangups there, or without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch like I was when I was an intern 10 years ago and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. Now it's time for the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Sam Ekstrom, take it away. Thanks, Ron. In the latest ESPN poll where they grade the receivers, votes from coaches, executives, players, scouts, They've got Jamar Chase as the number three receiver in football. They've got Justin Jefferson as number four. I think Adams was one, Cup was two. So we, we've really digested all of these rankings over the last few weeks, and very few of them actually have Chase above Jefferson. That really caught my eye. What do you think about that, that poll, Ron, with Chase three, Jefferson four? Well, I mean, honestly, let, let's let's be real. Jamar Chase is a ridiculous athlete. Like the things he does, it, it, it's it's head and shoulders above a lot of other players in the league. Justin Jefferson as well, uh, Cooper Cup, and then Devontae Adams. I think those four have kind of put themselves out in front. We got you know DeAndre Hopkins. I think is right up in there as well. Um, you could say C.D. Lamb is not too far behind. Uh, but here's the thing with Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson: they're different type of route runners. Jamar Chase is a little bit more violent with some of his routes. Justin Jefferson's a little bit more like he, he's, he's smooth with it. 
And so I think this year you're going to see it. So you saw Jamar Chase in an offense that was extremely well thought out by Zach Taylor. You saw an offense that was extremely predicated on certain coverages, changing routes, quarterback, receiver being on the same page. The Vikings offense sometimes just seemed like it wasn't that consistent. And Kevin Ziefer pointed that out earlier in the interview. Uh, it just wasn't like, hey, this is what we need to do. We're going to win the games because of the offense. Uh, it was always a defensive mindset. And if the defense wasn't number one, it felt like the team wasn't happy. Like they could get torched on defense, win a game on offense, and Kirk Cousins had to fight with the coach to celebrate. Like it, it just it just always felt that way. Like there, there was never happiness when the offense succeeded and the defense failed. So when you look at that from this offensive standpoint now, Justin Jefferson has a coach that's going to pour into him. He's going to help him out with different route schemes. He's going to give him choice routes. That's where I think Justin Jefferson can kind of jump back up and, and be in that number two conversation, number two receiver in the NFL. But when you're talking about Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jefferson, it's, it's, and Jamar, it's hard to really just pick a one. So if that's what the execs say, they're the guys looking at the film all day, every day. They're the guys asking other players. I'm going to trust that they they have, like, if it's PFF, I, I might question a little bit because they go off of, like, what happens in the play. These execs are just looking at routes. They're looking at body types. They're talking to coaches. They're talking to players. Um, you know, they're, they're talking to the scouts. Like, at that point, like, I'm going to trust that they know what why they're saying what they're saying. And so I'm going to say that's fine. I mean, I think this season is going to play out. We'll see of those four. But it's going to be a fun season to see what those four do. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch Chase and Jefferson vie for that top receiver status for many years because I think they're going to be, at some point, probably one and two. Uh, Chase had a better rookie year than Jefferson, stat-wise. I mean, Jefferson, yeah. I, think, I think, broke the NFL record, and Chase beat it. So it's yeah. going to be awesome to see what kind of leap he takes in year two. Uh, the Open Championship, Ron, it's no longer the British Open. It's the Open. It's in Scotland at famous St. Andrews. And here's the latest. A lot of America has not even woken up yet. Tiger Woods is 11 shots back. The leader is minus eight. Tiger Woods has already uh, double bogeyed and bogeyed. He's plus three. So he's 11 back, and the day has barely started. Um, is Tiger Woods even going to make the cut? Is this going to be another sad um, kind of deflating performance for Tiger? Well, the one thing about the cut, we know it's on the curve. So... Uh, can these guys keep shooting at the clip they're shooting at to push the lead out there? You know, maybe. Like, maybe the weather is working for them. Maybe the the, the conditions fit. Um, yeah, Tiger Woods might he, – he he probably won't make the cut. Like, if you're already 11 shots back this early – not again, it's early, though. He, he's only – like you said, it's only mm -hmm. early into the round. So, golf is one of those things like any other sport. You can get hot. Like, you can – like, Steph Curry, I think, went 0 for whatever in, a, in the first half of a game and then came back and scored 30 in the second half. Uh, over th on threes, not points, period, but for threes, and then comes back in second half. But he's also gone games where I think Seth Curry finished one game like one for 17 from three. So great players do have that. The difference is Steph Curry and Tiger Woods. Steph Curry is still in his prime. Tiger Woods is probably on the backside of his career. Uh, so can he turn it around and, and birdie, birdie, birdie this thing to, to, to make it competitive and, and get fans interested in Tiger Woods? Maybe. But likely, probably not, because golf becomes mental. Like, if you're all of a sudden aiming too far left, and then you think you need to fix it by aiming right, and then you go too far right, it's just, it's, it's, it's like a kicker says. It's sometimes it's just in your head, and if the club's not hitting the ball the right spot, the right way, the right timing, 
it's just off. And then all of a sudden you're second guessing every swing, you're second guessing every next shot. Uh, you're, you're playing, you're not playing the way you would like Tiger was with attack pins. Now he's, you know, maybe say, oh, let me just get on the green somewhere and try to make a putt and two putt this for par. Um, if that's the case and, and he's not really attacking the pins, I, I don't see him making the cut. Yeah, I just don't think that the weather in Scotland is conducive to Tiger's body. Like Tiger is so takes so much effort just to get loose. He's got the back issues. Now he's got the leg issues. It's so hard for him to be limber enough to play competitive golf. And when you've got to cope with 20, 25 mile an hour winds and it's chilly, I don't know if he can be loose enough to to play at a high level. I know he's won in this course twice before, but it's it's a hilly walk. I mean, it's flat, but you've got to walk around these like undulations um, for 72 holes for a full tournament. That's just a lot on his body. And, and to have to deal with the wind and the conditions in Scotland, I don't think he's going to put up much of a fight. 11 back. I know it's day one, but when you're chasing that kind of deficit, uh, it's going to be tough for him to make that up. Now, I, from, from the looks of it, he teed off at the wrong time today. He teed off late when the conditions were worse. The guys that got off the tee early are the ones who posted the good scores. So tomorrow, Tiger tees off early. Maybe things will be different. Last question for you, Ron. Uh, this is kind of a different one. So the Twins played yesterday, and they won in dramatic fashion, a walk-off win against the Brewers. The game was streamed on YouTube exclusively, and this is something that baseball is doing now. They've got some games on Apple TV. They've got some games on YouTube. Uh, the NFL is going to have some games on Amazon Prime. Ron, 20, 30 years from now, do you see sports – just being streamed exclusively, no more TV, no more NBC, no more Fox? Is it just going to be streaming rights? Well, I mean, no, I don't see that. And I was trying to look up the uh, the score of that streaming game to see if it was even uh, – so the Twins got it 4-1, to one, like you said. Um, but here's the thing about this. I get it, but no. TV's never going away. Why? Because Jerry Bruckheimer and Dick Wolf – um, those guys make too many shows for TV to just go away for sports. Like it's 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 one of those things where the championships, the the Super Bowl, um, all that stuff. Like those things have to be on TV. Like they can't stream those because if you do it that way, and this is the problem with America, some so many people feel like this is the way to do it. Like X is the way to do it. There's not a lot of people that have all the additional things. Like, I think we forget that there's households without computers. Uh, there's households without tablets. Like, we are blessed enough to be able to have those things. But if we start to become a world where we just think everybody has a tablet, everybody has a cell phone, everybody has a computer. Like, I know there are schools where kids go home and they can't do homework until they're back at school if it's a computer need or they have to go to the library to uh, enter a project. Like, that's just not something people have. Like, people don't have that. And so if we're if we're going to assume that they just have these things, that's going to be the problem. They're, they can't stream the games if they don't have a computer. Uh, but some people have basic TVs that are cheap. You can get a nice 32-inch TV for $80 now. Um, and they have just an antenna service. Then we're talking. Like, I can see that. That's going to stay on TV. If we get to a world where all of a sudden – you're, you know, internet's becoming a little bit more accessible and people are getting more internet TVs uh, and internet TV cost has gone down because uh, a lot of those internet TVs and app TVs aren't all cheap. Um, in that case, then yeah, and then if the apps become a platform where everybody can get them on every TV, because right now, if you get a certain TV, you have certain apps you can't get. Um, but yeah, I do see it coming, like more games streamed. 
uh, you know, when it comes to baseball, when it comes to some of these basketball games, some of these hockey games, there's a long season. Football, I don't see it. 17 games. I think Yahoo, I know, is trying that with their deal. And um, I forgot the other company that was Amazon, uh, which was, was, was airing mm-hmm. games overseas. So I could see those platforms, but no, I don't, I don't see it going strictly online because that just would be a dumb marketing uh, mistake uh, because TV and commercials are still huge. Yeah, I mean, I think down the road, I think that you'll be able to just flip to Apple, flip to Netflix as easily as you do ABC or NBC now. So they all might sort of be in the same like uh, package or, or what have you or format. So it's going to be easier to access those things. But uh, it's definitely trending that way. Maybe not going there exclusively. Yeah, no, I can see it going that way. I know people want games on the go. People want it on their tablets. People are just, I mean, a lot of people are cutting the cord too. So I, I get that. Like if that if that's a way, but I mean, before we do that, we got to make sure that we're not just, le- I mean, think about grandma and grandpa. They're not going to stream these games. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we got to make sure the, 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 the 80-year-old Vikings fan or the 80-year-old Twins fan still has a way to watch the game, which is, hey, they just want to turn on the tube, sit back in the lazy boy and watch the game. Um, but that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show today. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That was Kevin Seifert. We want to thank you guys for continued support. Download, subscribe, share us. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. And I'm Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson show. Have a great day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.